have a plan, but make sure that that plan is very well detailed and don't bite off more than you can chew. Are you ready for the best real estate investing advice ever? Join Joe Fairless and today's best ever guests as they share it with you. It's the best ever advice with none of the fluff. Let's go. Are you having a hard time finding great investment properties? Unfortunately, the best deals are rarely found locally. Successful investing begins with the right properties in the right markets. Norada Real Estate provides everything you need to invest in the best deals across the U.S. Our simple, proven system will help you create real wealth and passive monthly cash flow. Get your free copy of the ultimate guide to out-of-state real estate investing at noradarealestate.com slash guide. That's N-O-R-A-D-A realestate.com slash guide. Hi, Best Ever listeners. Welcome to the Best Real Estate Investing Advice Ever show. I'm Joe Fairless, and I'm here with today's guest, Jeff Day. Hi, Jeff. Hey, Joe. Great to have you on the show. And Jeff is joining us from Bethesda, Maryland, where he is the CEO of Berkeley Point Capital, which is a firm that is one of the nation's leading multifamily capital solution providers. So basically, they service loans. His firm serviced a portfolio of over $26 billion, uh, representing in excess of 2,000 loans. Uh, he has over 25 years of experience and Interestingly, non-real estate related, he is a former professional musician who in high school and in college, he played in a swing band. So with that being said, Jeff, can you give the best ever listeners a little bit more about your background and what you're focused on now? Absolutely. I'd be happy to. Looking forward to uh, talking to you and the best ever listeners. I started out in a real estate family in Colorado. And one of the things that my father and I did on the weekends to bond as father-son is drive real estate deals. And when I was in college, he would send me copies of his prospectuses. Um, and unfortunately, I think he thought that I would actually read these voluminous 200-page books with legal verbiage throughout and uh, and learn something from them. And frankly, I did, but I didn't read them in as much detail as, as I expected or he expected. But um, what it did do is develop for me uh, an interest in real estate and an understanding of how to look at markets at a very young age. So when I got out of school, I started out in office leasing and found that I had an affinity for numbers that I really wasn't able to fully exploit in the office leasing space. So I decided that I wanted to get into real estate finance. And I went into real estate investment banking with a company called Sonnenblick Goldman. And from there, started my own platform, mortgage banking platform in San Francisco for a regional bank, which I bought from that bank in 1991. And I sold that business in 97. And we started what is called a CMBS or commercial mortgage-backed securities platform called National Realty Funding. And I built out the Western United States for National Realty Funding. We grew that for three years and sold it to KeyBank. And it is still part of... In comprises KeyBank's CMBS platform even today. I then joined as managing partner of the Western United States, Berkshire Mortgage Finance, in 2001. And we built that business and sold it to Deutsche Bank in 2004. I took over as CEO in 2006 for Deutsche Bank. Um, and this is where it really starts to get a little bit interesting. We were part of a global investment bank during the financial crisis. And if you could have picked a worse place to be during that period of time. I'm not sure where it would have been. Um, and my business specifically, because we were dependent on Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac, 
was pretty dicey because at that point in time, the listeners may recall that Fannie and Freddie were put into conservatorship and there was significant speculation that they would be shut down. And as our primary capital partners, that would have made for a very difficult transition to a different type of business model. So we worked our way through the financial crisis. And in 2012, I partnered with two uh, very well-known financial what I would call geniuses. One is Lou Ranieri, who's really the father of the mortgage-backed security, started out at Solomon Brothers, and is still a very well-known name in financial circles. And Wilbur Ross, who ran the distressed investing group at Rothschild for many, many years, and is now the uh, founder and CEO of W.L. Ross, a subsidiary of Invesco that is a private equity investor. We bought the business in 2012, and we grew that, and in 2014, we sold it to a company that is part of the Cantor Fitzgerald family of companies called CCRE, or Cantor Commercial Real Estate. And we are now partnered with CCRE and are one of the largest non-bank specialty finance companies in the country. We originated $10.5 billion in loans in 2014. And we now have almost $40 billion in assets under management. And I remain the CEO of Berkeley Point. Seems like there's a theme throughout your career. And that's one of, well, there, there are a couple, but one of them is building and selling. Um, how, how do you build a company so that it's at the point where you uh, are maximizing the value when you sell? You know, that's a great question. And I have to tell you that I have never really focused on it that way. And perhaps that why, that's why I've been so fortunate in being able to build and sell companies. All I've ever really focused on is trying to build the best company that I can that is able to provide our clients a competitive advantage at whatever they do in a unique and different way that creates value. And by focusing on the blocking and tackling, by creating a competitive advantage for your clients and finding a way to differentiate yourself from your competitors, the financial success comes both in terms of earnings and also in interest from the marketplace from prospective buyers. And so most of the time when I've grown and sold a company, it's less been because we wanted to, but because there's been some sort of an evolution in the financial services space that required us to have a different type of capital structure, access to a different type of expertise or incremental products that we weren't able to acquire on our own. So it's been more strategic than it has been an interest in trying to reap the benefit of having grown a business. Um, and I think that's probably good advice all the way around. I don't think that if you go into a startup thinking the reason that I want to do this is to grow it and sell it and make a lot of money, you'll probably not be nearly as effective as if you go into it and say, I'm going to grow this business and this is part of me and it's my identity and I'll do what I need to do in order to continue to make it successful throughout a variety of cycles. Let's pick one of your previous companies or the company that you're at right now and what is a competitive advantage that did not exist until you and your team identified what that competitive advantage should be and then implemented it? All right. Um, boy, that's a great question. And uh, I'll tell you what, one thing that we did at Deutsche Bank that was very interesting is that both Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac in the multifamily space have always bought loans from the respective lenders one loan at a time. And when we were at Deutsche Bank, 
we invented a process because Deutsche Bank had a sizable balance sheet by which we would aggregate on the Deutsche Bank balance sheet pools of loans, multifamily loans, and sell them in bulk to Fannie Mae or Freddie Mac. And because we were aggregating the loans ourselves, we could originate and close without involving Fannie Mae or Freddie Mac, and it decreased our cycle time. It allowed us, in certain cases, to take on more risk early on that would, when the loan seasoned, dissipate sufficiently for Fannie and Freddie to buy it. So it did two things. It allowed us to execute much much more quickly for our clients. It allowed us to be a little bit more creative. And in certain cases, it allowed us to enhance the profitability of the loans because we were selling them in bulk. Let's zoom all the way down from the high-level strategy to the one individual, and she is raising money from investors. She is looking to buy a multifamily property, we'll call it you know, 200 units with investors. What does she need to prepare in order to get approved for a loan? I have to admit, it's been many years since I actually got down into the details at that level, but <laughs> at, a high le- <laughs> at a high level, she'll need a personal financial statement, she'll need documentation, legal documentation that describes the structure of the borrowing entity and the real estate experience associated with that. Typically, a current rent roll, a monthly financial statement for at least the previous 12 months and probably the last three years' financials. As we go through due diligence, we'll need an appraisal, a property inspection report, environmental report, credit checks, um, and then all of the associated contracts and support documents related to the property and the operations of the property. I have a feeling you just nailed that, even though it's been a while since you've, since you've personally dealt with that stuff. Well, I have to admit that I did many, many, many loans myself from start to finish uh, during my career. So there are certain things that never leave you, even if you haven't done them in a while. Your, your college days of when you received the prospectus and you like went through the, the plan for how you get finance are, are coming back to you in full circle right now. I think you're right. Jeff, what is your best real estate investing advice ever? I'll tell you what, and I've been uh, the beneficiary of this, and I've been the one who suffered from this when I ignored it. Buy what you know. Um, You can't gain a competitive advantage if you come into a market from the outside with no local knowledge, understanding of the difference between one corner of an intersection or another, Um, or what type of uh, tenants are in that marketplace and what they're attracted to. So the best way to make sure that you do a great real estate deal is to pick very carefully a short list of markets that you spend a tremendous amount of time in. You track the transactions that occur real time. You understand the ebbs and flows of the cycle, and you can appropriately time when to buy, and you know which properties you want to buy and which properties you don't want to buy. How do you scale a company when you have to be an expert in a particular market to that extent? Well, you know, I think that real estate is a game of patience. And if you look at the compounding effects of real estate and your ability to, first of all, do tax deferred exchanges, and there's no basis step up until you pass away, and 
Um, you're able to refinance properties and pull cash out. The question really becomes how rapidly you want to scale. And I think that the prudent real estate people that I know that have made a lot of money. Now, look, a lot of people have gotten very, very lucky and bought properties in many markets all at once without a lot of local market knowledge. But that doesn't happen that frequently. Those people probably had a little bit of luck. Or, for instance, they just picked a time and made a bet, like 2009 or 2010. They said, look, I think the multifamily space is at a bottom. The homeownership rate is going to drop. Interest rates are going to stay low. I'm going to buy as many multifamily units as I can. Um, but that was then, and that's a very rare circumstance. Probably I've only seen those opportunities two or three times. You can, if you are focused in diligence, find enough opportunities and probably will find more good opportunities if you are doing what I say you should do as opposed to trying to blanket the Western United States because you won't have the relationships, you won't have the local knowledge, and um, people probably won't take you as seriously as well. You ready for the best ever lightning round? I'm ready. All right. I had three cups of coffee right before this, so I'm ready. I'll talk fast. Yeah, you just you perked up. I should have been like asking you about the best ever lightning round just throughout. I think I'm going to do that now. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I suspect as I read through the agenda that the best ever listeners like the lightning round the best because then the 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 you know we keep snapping our fingers and keep moving on. So I'm ready to go. All right. First, a quick word from our sponsor, and then we'll start snapping our fingers. All right. Could you do more deals if you had more money and didn't have to waste time looking for financing? Are you ready to scale your real estate business and do more deals? Well, let's make that happen. Our best ever sponsor, Patch of Land, is ready to fund your next deal. Patch of Land is a crowdfunding marketplace that has thousands of investors waiting for you right now. Find out more at patchofland.com. That's P-A-T-C-H-O-F-L-E-N-D.com. All right, Jeff, best ever book you've read? The Fountainhead by Ayn Rand. Best ever listeners, I know you like audio, so you can go to freebestoverbook.com and get a free audio version of a book like that. Best ever personal growth experience and what you learned from it. This is a really neat story. I uh, struggled for about two years because I had to fire a very, very close friend of mine. And he was not doing very well. And when I finally terminated him, he was relieved and thanked me and told me that it was the best thing that had happened to him and that he knew it was coming and wished it had happened sooner. And the reason that it was such a great growth experience is that it taught me that in relationships where you've got some strain on your side, there very typically is an equal amount of strain on the other side. And in business, a lot of times it's not that you have a bad person, it's that you have a very good person in the wrong role. So that was powerful for me and it made it easier for me to have difficult discussions with my employees when there are performance issues. Best ever success habit you practice? Get up early. I'm up at 5.30 or 6. And when do you go to bed? I tend to go down pretty early, probably about 10. You still get your eight hours then? Oh yeah, I get my sleep. Best ever deal you've done? Well, this is funny because it's a personal deal and it happened when I was very young. It was the first house that I bought. At the time, my wife was a residential mortgage broker. I was in commercial real estate finance, but I was a licensed sales broker in California. We bought our house. We got an 80% loan that my wife arranged, and so she got a commission from that. We got an owner carry back for 17%. So at that point, we were 97% financed through debt. And I participated as the cooperating broker 
in the sale of the transaction and I got 3%. So we actually walked away from the closing table with cash and had a house as well. So is the goal to marry somebody in real estate or is that the takeaway? (laughs) (laughs) Since I know my wife is going to listen to this, I'm going to say that that was a very fortunate byproduct of an otherwise fantastic union. (laughs) There you go. There you go. (laughs) Best ever project you're most excited about right now. You know, the thing that we're most excited about right now is is the that Fannie and Freddie are coming back, and, and I'm using a very liberal term or definition of project, and that we've combined with uh, CCRE in a way to create what we believe is the largest specialty non-bank specialty finance company in the country, and the growth opportunities that are available to us. With some of the other Cantor family of companies, we are now in the multifamily space doing $26 billion a year in debt and investment sales in multifamily. And we believe that we're going to be able to take significant market share and that we'll have over $100 billion in assets under management and be doing 30 to $40 billion a year in transactions in the next three to five years. And I have to tell you, even after having done this so many times, the idea that we could generate a, a, an entity that would have that kind of scale is tremendously exciting to me. How do you grow like that? What is your company's current competitive advantage? It's our people. And you grow that way because you are extremely selective about whom you hire, and we have a rigorous interviewing process. In fact, people are exhausted when they get through with the interviews, and it's a, it's a, it's a rite of passage in a way. And then we have a very, very well-defined and highly structured human capital management plan and training plan so that we bring in the raw material that's tremendously important. We provide people with the training and the industry knowledge that they need to provide our clients with the competitive advantage as we discussed earlier. And then we also nurture the cultural side of the business as well. And we have what we call the Berkeley Point Way. And whenever we have a difficult decision to make, the question we always ask ourselves is, is that the Berkeley Point Way? And that gives people a barometer that's much easier to follow than some sort of policies and procedures or personnel handbook that's 100 pages long. And our one philosophy is always do the right thing. Best ever quote. Reward the behavior you want to encourage. That's one of my number one management philosophies as well. What's the biggest mistake you've made in real estate? I invested with a friend. This is a two-part mistake. Actually, there were so many mistakes that we wouldn't have enough time to cover all of them. But I managed to put them all into one deal. (laughs) (laughs) that's a good thing i I think anybody would actually choose to do that versus spread them out over every deal (laughs) we invested in about 40 acres of developable office land in the sacramento area northern california and had the ability over time to build about 800,000 square feet of office space we got a land loan and we raised the equity and bought the dirt and we were ready to go. And this was about 2006, 2007 timeframe. And the thing that was really nagging me, but that I didn't focus on at the time was that that was only the first step in a multi-step process. And we really didn't have an appreciation for where the equity or the debt would come from other than to take the land down. 
And unfortunately, because of the financial crisis and because of our lack of appropriate structuring, um, we ended up losing all of our equity and having to give the property back to the lender, which is very unfortunate. What's the main takeaway that you'd say from that story? I'd say two things. Have a plan, but make sure that that plan is very well detailed and covers the scope of the project from start to finish. And the second is don't bite off more than you can chew. What's the best ever place to reach you, Jeff? Probably my work email, which is jeff.day at berkpoint.com. Jeff, thank you so much for being on the show and sharing your best ever advice with the best ever listeners and talking through how to build companies, how to reward employees and team members for the work that they do well and for behaviors that you want to continue, how to pull the plug on employees that aren't working out and quite frankly, it being in the best interest of everybody, including the the people who aren't working out because, and I wholeheartedly believe this, this um, and what you mentioned where we all have our special talents and if we're not exceeding in what we're doing, excelling in what we're doing, then perhaps what we're doing isn't what we're supposed to be doing anyway. So it will be a relief on everybody's side when that happens. And, you know, really from, from a, from again, from the high level, the competitive advantage that you talk about, I mean, you, you have a tremendous track record of being at successful companies and, and building them and, and seeing them through and adding that value. And, you know, I, I love talking to, you know, someone like you who has this experience of, of really building corporations, building companies, and, you know, from a strategic standpoint, looking to see how you position yourself. And as you said, it's, it's all about giving the clients a competitive advantage and differentiating yourself, which, which very well might go hand in hand with each other. And then, you know, the example that you mentioned uh, where you aggregated the pools of multifamily loans, where that wasn't happening before, you know, that's just one example. But as you said, any entrepreneur can take this, whether it's real estate or non-real estate venture and, and apply that advice, which I love. And then from a high level, when you got, or actually kind of, kind of closer to the individual investor, when we did the hypothetical scenario about what we need in order to get a multifamily loan. And again, and I'm sure it's not an exhaustive list because I, I kind of just popped this out at you, but uh, talking through the personal financial statement, getting information on the borrowing entity, uh, getting the rent roll, the monthly financial statement, three years of operating history, your real estate experience, an appraisal, environmental report, credit checks, all that good stuff. So thank you so much for you know talking from a high level standpoint and then also you know getting into the weeds with us a little bit just so we can we can make that clear for people who are in that position for the best ever listeners. So thank you so much for being on the show and we'll talk to you soon. Thanks, Joe. Appreciate your time. Hey, you best ever listener. Do you want more? Then go to joefairless.com where you'll get tons of free videos, templates and content to help you get deals done. And remember to subscribe to the best ever show in iTunes so you can keep getting your daily dose of the best real estate investing advice ever.